This Choircast podcast is brought to you by Go Wide, Reimagining the Landscape of Theology by Martha Elias Downey. This book invites readers to expand their theological, spiritual, and relational horizons by sidestepping the notions of hierarchy and verticality. Go Wide employs the lens of spaciousness to explore biblical stories, theological concepts, and the nature of God, showing how biblical narratives often disrupt the status quo. If you are looking for an accessible, inclusive, fresh take on an ancient course of study, pick up Go Wide, Reimagining the Landscape of Theology, now available on Amazon. Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical. With your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Welcome back to another episode of Apostates Anonymous, now a member of the Pathios podcasting network q crowd cheering i'm your host matthew j distefano joined with your other host keith giles say hi hey 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 it feels really good i gotta say it's a dream come true it's a long time coming it's so great now to be on the uh the pathios network also still part of the quarkast network and um yeah, really, really cool. And the train just keeps it rolling. Keep chugging along. Yeah, we're we're moving towards becoming monetized, you motherfuckers. What that means is more actual ads, not fake ads. Yeah, Hopefully you can yeah. tell the difference. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you listen to ads, then we are monetized at this point because they're dynamic. They go in when they go in. So if you're That's listening right. to this and there's no ads, give us your money, people. And then when you hear ads, you don't have to give us your money anymore. That's right. Well... Uh, I'm, I'm excited. We haven't recorded in a while. We actually recorded a few episodes in advance. So it's been a while since we actually sat down and recorded. Yeah. I feel like so much has changed. And at the same time, so much has stayed the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of cool choir things happening. Lots of cool choir things happening. That's what's really cool. It's very exciting. Yeah. They're just things we've had in motion for a while now. So, um, you know. And we also got another sponsor. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. More of the same, but yet another new one. All right, here we go. So, let's, uh, producer, can you remember when Jamal tried to queue up a text? Yeah, queue that up. <laughs> Could you queue, that, queue up that text? All right, here we go. Coming soon to a theater near you. From the creative minds who brought you God's Not Dead 5 Burn in Hell Sinners comes an authentic film that reveals the origins of historic Christianity like never before. In the beginning, the true story about the birth of the Christian faith movement that began with a hammer and a nail. When Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door at Wittenberg and set in motion the events that would give birth to historic Christianity. Journey with us 500 years into the past to relive the earth-shaking events that turned the world upside down and spawned historic Christianity. Starring Kevin Sorbo as Martin Luther, Scott Bayo as John Calvin, and Kirk Cameron as Jesus Christ. Filmed entirely in the original German and French languages and featuring an original score by John Cooper of Skillet and their new hit single, Getting Hammered. Don't miss the breathtaking new film that author and YouTube sensation Alyssa Childers called Magnificent, adding, I've never seen a film so historically accurate about the earliest days of the Christian faith. Every deconstructing heretical progressive Christian needs to see this film twice. See In the Beginning this summer and experience the events that sparked historic Christianity over 500 years ago. Okay. Oh, yeah. That soundtrack sounds killer. 
Man, John Cooper, Skillet. Whoo. It sounds fantastic. It's going to be great. And filming the original languages, uh, German and French, I think that's, you know, that attention to detail, I really like that. It's really great. I can almost hear Alyssa now. Now, that is not an accurate representation of what I believe historic Christianity is. Sure. (laughs) Except that everything she has ever said on her show tells, uh, tells me otherwise. Yeah, well, I think they, I think what, the the misnomer obviously is that they thought that Martin Luther or John Calvin or Zwingli, when they reformed, they they reformed back to the historic Christianity. Oh, so, so this I is a see. modern remix of what was originally there from the beginning. Sure, not realizing, yo, come on, <laughs> yeah, you're just erasing all of this. Yeah, like what, fifteen hundred years of a theology that came before like no you can't just pretend that everything that came before doesn't count luther had any idea what it's like to like luther's theology is not even close to the early church no i mean in in many ways you can i think you can trace a lot of like calvinism back to augustine but even calvinism is like augustinianism on speed and then modern calvinism is like original Calvinism on speed and right. drinking a bunch of IPAs or something. <laughs> yeah, no. So here's the thing. Yeah, I have a good friend who um, he calls himself a Calvinist, but he says he's a Calvinist in the sense that he uh, he just actually reads John Calvin because he says one thing, and he said this one thing that John Calvin was alive today he wouldn't be is a Calvinist because uh, Calvinism today doesn't really look anything like what he actually right. wrote about what he actually said. But yeah, the solution isn't then to just be an original Calvinist because that guy was a bit of a dick too. He was, and he and was, theology was and 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 his theology naturally spawns this sort of thing, right? Because I mean, it's like it's like when you hear the phrase, and I've heard this. I don't know if it's accurate, but um, uh, Martin Luther was Hitler's favorite theologian. Ooh, because he was very anti semitism. Now, I wouldn't yeah. say. That Luther's anti-Semitism is as bad as Hitler's anti-Semitism, but I would say you're responsible for your influence, and that if that if that thing starts out on the wrong track, like Luther's view of Jews did, um, it it could end up to a really bad place. So be more responsible with your fucking beliefs, dude. Well, yeah, and here's the other thing though too that's very troubling to me. You know, if if someone wants to go back and point to, um you know, Martin Luther and Calvin and the Protestant Reformation as this golden age of Christianity. My problem with that is not just the theology that I disagree with, but the fact that in practice, they actively killed other Christians and put to death other Christians that disagreed with their theology. To me, that is a huge red flag. Like, I don't want to follow the theology um, of these people that had no problem you know, like Calvin talked about, like he wished he had been there, right? That he could have personally been the one uh, to execute Michael Servetus. Like he was, he was gleeful about it. So yeah, a little too, a little too giddy. Uh, yeah. I, I've heard, I've read quotes by Tertullian and, and things like that too about the, like almost getting off on the fact that your opponents will burn in hell. Um, I don't hear this argument enough, but. It's not necessarily an argument. Well, it kind of is and it kind of isn't. Like you don't hear a lot about any universalists burning others at the stake. Yeah. And so isn't that, it's not an argument for universalism, but it should make you pause and go, yeah, all the people doing all the burning (laughs) is like my team and the people who are like the universalists and stuff. Yeah, they don't, they're, they're, they're not in power. They're yeah. not wielding power over others. They're not burning people at the stake. There doesn't seem to be too many throughout history, any that I can think of off the top of my head, who no, were no, like no. persecutors, oppressors, like not when you think like Constantine, Augustine, yeah. Calvin, yeah. the early Catholic Church, the Middle yeah. Age Middle Ages Catholic Church, the Protestant yeah. Church 10 years after being persecuted start persecuting the Anabaptists. Like, yeah, 
You're not Absolutely. hearing Origen also burned people at the stake, or Gregory of Nyssa also was a person. <laughs> yeah, Athanasius, you know? he was lighting fires. and um, He wasn't a universalist, though, was he? Athanasius? I don't think so. Um, I thought he was. Am I? I thought he was more uh, annihilationist. Hmm. If you want to call I... into the show, 240-343-7379, let us know. <laughs> Why do I think he was? And uh, let me let me look him up here. Look him up. Type type type. In the meantime, folks, let me just tell you about some cool things that we have going on. We have a new author called Keith Giles. He has a book called Sola Deus. How yeah. is the? Um, did you butcher the Latin on that one too? I did. In, did in keeping a, with the tradition, snarky yes. remark from your boy David Bentley Hart. I haven't sent it to him yet because uh, I know that's what he's going to say. But that, I was thinking, if I do send him the email with the book, I'm going to say, you know, um, in the spirit as, of fucking up the last one. In the spirit of fucking up the last one, I thought I I need to continue the tradition. Just I'm gonna just keep on going oh, with it. And this is Sola Deus, so because I think it yeah. should be Solos Deus or something like that. But I don't care. It's that that sounds I don't bad. Know. Hardly you can't any say solus. It just doesn't work. Solus. You just did. Well, but it doesn't work for the. It's not what I wanted for the title. Put it that way. There you go. Well, I'll introduce the topic while you look up whether the very important and relevant. Um, <laughs> Everybody's waiting whether, to find out <laughs> whether Athanasius was a universalist. I I'll put fifty dollars down on the fact that no, I don't think he was. Okay. Um, but which is kind of ironic. Be, well, we're talking about Christian historical figures, but our topic today is uh, why we do not care or talk about theology or write about theology too much. Kind of like the why are we done with theology? How long has that been going on? I feel like I've been done for a while, so I don't yeah. know if this is like breaking news to anyone. Maybe it's just an update. The only theology I've written about is the intersectionality between Gerard and Tolkien and their Catholicism, but it's derivative in the book I'm doing. So it's only like to kind of contextualize things. I have no interest in the theology of it per se. Yeah, it is a little new for me at least to come out and say it. I, although I did write a blog post a few months ago um, where I kind of just said I was kind of done with the Bible and living my life around what the Bible says or doesn't say, you know, that stuff. But I mean, it's just continuing that idea. Um, I mean, even though, yeah, my next book is Soledeos and it will, it's a book about God, but I'm trying to get away from um, theology, sort of schools of thought kind of theology, you know, things like that and, and move more into, and this is what I've been moving into more lately is uh, the mystery idea of God, like that I, because to me, theology is so much about telling you who God is and what God is like. And for me, more and more, uh, if, if, there, if you call that theology, for me, it's just more like saying, I don't know. And, um, and I think it's why Sola Deus was really probably the, one of the most challenging books I've written to, to date. I nearly gave up on that book several times. Um, because, you know, it's, it's trying to put words to some, to something that is difficult. It's impossible even to put words around. And yet in some ways we can't help but ask some of these questions and have some of these, you know, we're curious. But um, it's just recognizing that, I, here's what I mean. If, if, if By embracing mystery, it means I'm moving away and loosening my grip on theology um, from the standpoint of, you know, defining God and having certainty about those things. So I like guess systematic theology. Yeah, exactly. So um, for me, I'm looking forward to, so I think this Sola Deus is probably going to be my last book where I actually uh, specifically deal with this kind of stuff anymore. And I'm looking forward to that, right? I'm looking forward to moving into fiction um, or writing about other things. Like I'm, I'm going to write a book and the third book Jeez, in the Sola series. All of your theology books have been fiction. Oh, ha ha. Yes. Thank you. I, um, saw that, I saw that sound clip when I wanted to hit it. So I had to make a joke. <laughs> I saw it resist. on there. I was like, I, like, I got to use that today. <laughs> yeah. So like uh, the Sola series is going to be a trilogy. Um, 
But the third, the final one in the solo series is Sola Mesmera, and it's actually going to be. So I won't be quoting the Bible at all. It's not about God or the or the Bible or theology at all. It's where you it, finally indoctrinate your readers into your way of thinking. Well, no, what I'm hoping to do is to to sh- to expose all the ways that theology and religion and Christianity, uh, as well as other religions mm-hmm. and cults, um, manipulate us into buying into their stuff and being controlled by them. So, so it's, it's going to be your Christian swan song. It's your farewell finally I, out of Christianity until you're finally kicked out. I, well, I'm surprised I haven't been so far, but I would imagine. Yes. You've walked a pretty good tightrope for a while. Uh, thank you. Well, I, I have. People that have been following me have, can probably re- trace the path and they probably could see it coming before I did. Um, that I'm kind of moving out of these. So like, you know, I still think Jesus is great and I still um, appreciate a lot of, a lot of what Jesus is all about. Um, I do think that there's a God. So I guess I'm still a theist in a sense, but. Well, here's um, the thing. Here's why Jesus is so much more interesting. Just imagine you get to heaven in the old way of thinking and the new way of thinking. And, and when I mean heaven, I'm, I'm using it analog- analogously, but I'm saying like arriving to some place. Let's say, let's you still use that model. In the old model, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Like, good for you. Nice throne. Um, in the new way, it's like you walk in and you maybe you have, okay, I need a fucking drink. Jesus, are you making wine? That's my first question. Can I smoke herb here with you? Uh-huh. Like that Jesus is way more interesting and relevant. Though Jesus who hangs out with you rather than the Jesus who sits at the right hand of God and and he you know all this kind of I I hate the idea of worshiping Jesus. That's where I'm at. No, I think exactly. it's repulsive and I think anyone who's a mystic, which I think Jesus is and was, would be repulsed by the by the worshiping of him. It's like, it would be as absurd to him as it is to like the Buddha, the, you know, the great quote, if you see the Buddha in the street, kill him. No, not literally. (laughs) But the point being is that no one who says they're the, I mean, like that idea that the Buddha is out there rather than in here would be absurd. So why are you worshiping that guy who says they're the Buddha or the guru or the Christ or whatever? Like just do the things he said because he's one of us. Which is exactly what Jesus said. Why do you call me Lord, exactly. Lord, but you don't do what I say? Like what he was most concerned about was, I'm teaching you some things about how to live this life that is a, a better kind of living, right? Where, you know, love, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, because when you do, you're, you'll be like your father in heaven. Um, yeah, I think those are the significant things that Jesus teaches that we should put into practice. But I agree with you. I, we, did we do one on this? I think I did one on this maybe on Second Cup with Keith. But um, yeah, this whole idea, I wrote a blog about it, about yeah, the whole thing about stop worshiping Jesus. I think worshiping Jesus has become a cop-out for, because if I'm singing songs to Jesus and worshiping Jesus, I don't have to follow him. Like, um, And he would rather that we follow him. But So the, the deity of Jesus, that's another I'd tricky thing. It, I'd take it a step further and say, I think he'd be annoyed as shit that we worship him. Not even that he'd rather us follow him. I think he would just be like, no, like. Stop it. Like, just to, like, stop it. Unless you got a big, unless you're Trump or something, like yeah. you need that praise and worship constantly. But like, look at. People yeah, so, who are secure in life. Yeah. Do, don't want that. They don't want the, I mean, the they take the any anyone who's like let's say your favorite band your favorite actor your favorite whatever they take the limelight because that's what comes with like greatness or talent sure. or whatever sometimes you know if you make it quote unquote yeah. but they're not seeking that no and they'd be no. repulsed they're they'd be repulsed if people are like why are you bowing down to me like this is absurd so if you look at the example though right of, of jesus like what happened every time somebody the crowds came around him to he worship went, him to make him king out. he would run yep. he took he ran from those people he hid from those people so you know he wasn't all about yes worship me yes make me your king you know follow me and do like so it's following jesus isn't in, the, in that sense of like yes like he's he's like uh I don't even I, I even I don't even think Jesus wants to necessarily be like your guru as much as it like you were saying, it is more like Jesus is trying to point us to the Christ that's within everyone. Right? Like you said, the Buddha is in you. It's not in only one person. Yeah. And 
So this is where it gets kind of tricky. Like, you know, it's, oh, was Jesus God? Yeah, the same way you are. And so, you know what I mean? Like, so that's why it gets difficult. Because when you affirm the idea that, oh, Jesus was God or that, you know, um, or that the, Jesus was the Christ, what people assume you mean is, oh, he was the only one. He's the only uh, God and in human form, and he's the only one that has the Christ. When I, th- I think his message was not that, right? That seems like the earliest Christians kind of got the idea that, well, no, he's pointing to the Christ in us, Christ in you, Paul said, right? Even Paul, I think, got it, the, the true Paul got it, that it was Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are the body of Christ. Christ isn't, you know, it lives in us as people. Well, I think they still elevated Jesus as some sort of unique figure. But Oh, sure they did. I, But I think again, that was a mistake. Like, again, I, don't I think care. That, that wasn't the like, right thing How does that do. affect you now? That's where I'm at with anything. Like, I'm not even, like, how does it, how does any of this, help us now how do any of these conversations help us now i mean like i understand undoing bad theology and i understand all of that but that's that's kind of where i'm done with theology it's like i don't have bad theology anymore i have very little theology so yeah now that i feel like i mean it's a balance right as a publisher i want to publish theological books because that's where people are at and yes. if it's a good theological book and I support the author and I support what they're doing and they're talking to people who are still in this world. And I don't mean it's like you've advanced past this, but some people will always stay in that world. And that's great. Sure. sure. Um, it's just not interesting to me personally. Yeah, no, that's a good point. See, with um, like with choir, um, I when we get books submitted to us that are still kind of in that theological world, I don't just say, well, forget that. I don't. I don't care about that anymore no. because like you said, and I don't think we've transversed past where they're at. It's just a different interest. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean the, the, what I'm looking for, what I think what choirs is, is, is excited about is like you were saying, correcting bad theology. Like, so if you are still someone for whom theology is a big deal, like you can't imagine your identity is wrapped up in having this theology that's correct. Right. Or, or the, the right theology then yes, I'm excited about um, books and and authors and scholars and teachers who can help us uh, kind of get get move away from the toxic theologies, the worm theologies. Um, you know this idea of a, the, this idea of a God who is jealous and vengeful and wrathful and all that. So absolutely, I mean we need more of those kinds of books, and and Inquire is all about publishing those kinds of books. But yeah, for me personally. I'm just, yeah, I'm not swayed by that stuff personally. Um, I, I, I don't really care necessarily what the Bible says about stuff. And I'm curious about things. You know, I do, I, I do, I still enjoy like studying stuff. And like, I still enjoy like listening to different scholars like Jennifer Bird and David Bentley Hart and Bart Ehrman and um, people like that. Um, Elizabeth Schrader, she's one of my favorites. I love her too. And you know, because they they're they're teaching you something new, like oh, we found this something and we didn't see before in this text, or we've discovered something we didn't realize before, or or this isn't really what we thought it was. You know, we can debunk something that's been part of Christian tradition for a long, long time. So yeah, I'm interested in learning those kind of things. That's that's kind of cool. But it's not like oh, because of that, I need now need to change my life, and I can't do this anymore because well, they now they said this, so well, now I got to change. That's something. wrong, Matt. Like, there's not, there's no discovery in the Bible that's going to no. ever be like, oh, well, I guess I do need to stop masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing like the big things in life, right? Like any yes. of your, like, I'm not saying masturbation is the big things in life, but you know what I mean. Like, it's not going to be like, oh, I need to really alter this behavior because, yeah, because yeah. why? All of a sudden, I'm going to believe that God really is wrathful or something. Or that God cares about or that God even cares. what I eat or yeah. what I drink or what I wear or, or, or I'm friends with or where I go. Dude, we can't even we, – we, but even that assumes that God has the ontological capacity to care. Like God has his own personality and his that, own – like I don't even know if that's true. And yeah. if it is, like 
maybe that God is more way laissez-faire and apathetic and it's really just up to us or or maybe we're an extension of that God personality and without yes. us there's no there's no use in talking about God because God is just like the potential for something I don't know yeah, yeah. no idea where I'm at with any of that stuff yeah so no, I think I, it's I, a left turn just like what's what's in front of me right now that's the only thing I could try to figure out yeah, so that's some of what I get into in Solideos is um, wrestling with moving away from the idea of God as a separate person who has ideas and will and agency and mm. and, and basically thinking of God as a huge man, a huge person, right? He's a person, like he's a human, uh, but but magnify that, right? And sort of this other kind of thing. And so uh, as moving moving away from that idea, yeah, I start to think like, yeah, then. So here's my real struggle. At the same time, I, I do think in some, again, a mysterious way, I don't know how this works, but that I do think it, that whatever God is, God is relational. Like God, um, that we that we connect with God through relationship. But I think that could be with relationships with other people who are also, you know, uh, images of the Christ and we're, we're all images of the Christ and we relate to one another. Um, cause I think there's a, there's this element of consciousness to say that God is his ultimate consciousness. Um, so there's something, there's something that Paul says that I do think is interesting, but in, in Solideos, I kind of flipped it. Right. So Paul says this thing in acts when he's talking to the idol worshiping pagans in, in Athens and he tells them that, that this God, this unknown God is the one in whom we all live and move and have our being, right? It's like, woo, that's a crazy, that's a, that's a great concept. I love that concept. But now I would actually flip that around and I would say, not only is God the one in whom we all live and move and have our being, I would say that I am the one, we are the ones in whom Christ lives and moves and has being. And so that's kind of shifting a little bit. It's changing that perspective to be, God is not some separate being over there or up there or something like that. Um, God or Christ is all consciousness, right? All mm -hmm. being. And it's something that we all embody in some sense. And part of that embodiment does involve some kind of relationship between us. Um, and yet somehow I think it's all one. So if there's, you know, if you have no trouble thinking of the Trinity as, oh, how can, how can there be these three persons in but one God? Like, what if there are billions and we're all the one, we're all still the one God, right? I think, well, I mean, on the Trinity, I actually like, uh, I actually like that concept. I've come full circle because I see every relationship as Trinitarian. Yes. Like there's the, there's the, there's Matt and there's Keith and then there's the Matt Keith relationship. And so there has to be some distinction between some some perceived and i put it in quotes um separation between us in some way and yeah. that energy between us is is kind of the relational part so i see a, you could now just expand that to every relationship that it's exactly. all kind of trinitarian um yeah yeah i mean it, it it's and that that's mysterious language but to me that analogy works i don't know um, I was thinking of something like when it comes to all of this, of course, I was thinking of stories from Tolkien because um, I'm As predictable, predictable yeah. like that. Mm. But it's um, I like I like and I just made this connection now. So I guess I'll have to jot it down for the book somewhere. Um, but when Frodo first discovers that it's the ring, Gandalf's teaching him all about it. And obviously Frodo's troubled by the predicament he's in. Gandalf tries to comfort him and he's like, uh, well, you know, I mean, maybe Bilbo is meant to find the ring, which means you are meant to find the ring and not by basically not by Sauron, by some force of good, i.e. God. Yeah. And, God, you know, in Tolkien's world, Gandalf's not just a wizard. He's um, he's an Astari, which is an emissary of God, like a, like an angel. Uh, uh, yeah, in a way. Sure. He's much more angelic than human. Um, even though he has his own desires, I mean, it's not perfect analogy, but, um, so I think like that's the theological part, like 
<laughs> but what really com- and Fro- and he's like, doesn't that make you feel better? And Frodo's just like, no, that doesn't make <laughs> me feel better at all. What makes Frodo feel better is when they find out Sam is sneaking around the property, and you know, and he gets brought in and has to go on the trip, the the trip, the adventure with Frodo. Yes. That's what makes him feel better. So right. it's 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 the human connection that really makes us feel better. And the theological, well, you know, maybe there's some force of good that you know, wink, wink, that helped Bilbo find it, and which means helped you find it. So you don't have to be so scared because. And Gandalf is comforting to Frodo eventually, but I mean, just that instant like. Doesn't the fact that there there's a good God even help you? And he's like, no. What helps me actually is just having a buddy alongside. Having a friend, yeah. It, that all that stuff is kind of just like esoteric and heady and whatever. Yeah. But what really helps us in the day to day is whatever we're doing, having people around us who are there for us. And so, if that's my theology, it's a very humanistic theology. Yeah. I yeah I I'm I'm kind of there too I think um, as you were talking it just reminded me there's there's two concepts that are I think are kind of related to what you were saying so one is namaste right which is that idea of the you know the 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 divine in me sees the divine in you right so it's what white people say because it's the only yoga word they know <laughs> right I know but that's what it means right it's this the 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 spark in me the divine in me acknowledges the divine in you so it's recognizing the divine or the Christ in someone else. And there's another uh, phrase called Ubuntu, which is an African. Uh, I've heard of that. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. So that one's really cool. Cause the way they phrase it in Ubuntu is I am because you are. And I really like that, man, that is deep. I am. And of course, no, think about what is in, in the Jewish context. What does I am mean? Yeah. Right. I am because you are. So in other words, without you, mm. I'm not, I am, I am who I am because you are who you are. And together, we need each other in this relationship, right? For there to be this, whatever this is. And I just, I just love those, those ideas because I think it's what you're saying. Um, like Richard Ward talks about how it's really difficult for us as human beings to have a deep connection to an idea like God, right? Mm-hmm. And so Jesus becomes this incarnation. For, he's like, it's it's helpful for us because we can imagine a, a human Jesus. We can paint pictures of Jesus. We can see visions of Jesus. We can talk to Jesus because he's a person. And we can, so it helps us to have an embodiment of God in Jesus, but it's just something that helps us, right? It's, it's, a, it's a device. It's a tool. It's a mental construct that allows us to relate to God in that way. But then at the same time, we should notice how the the idea of the Christ constantly moves away from Jesus. Then, you know, Jesus says, this bread is my body. And Paul later says that you, you are the body, right? And so the body of Christ starts getting expanding. It starts moving outward, right? So, so if we follow, if we could follow those breadcrumbs, we could connect those dots, then it is the Christ in me sees the Christ in you, right? I am because you are. That it's the Christ in everyone, in all of us, in everything. Um, and not just Christians, that's the other part of it. You know, I, I, I struggled with that for the longest time. Like, oh no, Christ is only in people who say, pray the prayer, go to church, read the Bible. Um, but no, that that's, again, that's not what Paul told the, the auto-worshipping pagans uh, in Athens. Didn't even know who Jesus was and he told them that this God is the one in whom you live and move and have your being. So um, know it or not, like it or not, whatever this is, is something we as humans are incarnating in some way. And anyway, I I just find that really fascinating. It is fascinating. I remember talking to um, some Christians about like, okay, let's say, let's say Jesus is everything you say he is. He didn't, he didn't talk about that though. People did. Yes. What did he say about himself? He like, I never get past the fact that all he was saying about himself was like, he was calling us friends and brothers and sisters. Yes. So he wasn't. And even when he's asked, well, are you this? Are you that? Are you the Messiah? He's just kind of a, he's like, well, you said so. If if, if that's what you say, you said it basically like, and then we take it. We'll see. He affirms it. And I'm like, I don't know. Keith, I've been you know, sarcastic before. If if Keith, you're like Matt, is is, is that you? 
it, I mean, it's like a cop out. Like, well, if that's what you say, yeah. I mean, that, are you are you a heretic? If that's what you want to call me, yes. Yeah, and then this is the other thing too, right? How I also love how apologetics uh, apologists love to flip that around, isn't it? In um, it's in one of the gospels, I think it's Matthew or Luke, where the rich young ruler comes and says, um, calls him good, and Jesus says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Why do you call me good? There's only one that's good. That's God." And they're like, "Oh, see, he's affirming that. Well, I'm good, so therefore I'm God." No, he's actually saying, "What are you doing? Right? Why are you calling me God? Why are you calling me good? Only God is good." I think we fell for the thing that he might have been worried about, which is like idolizing him. Yes. And you see, and that's an example of him pushing back good. on that. Like, no, no, no. Right. What are you he, doing? Don't worship me. I would say he is like in the right con, be like, but you know, you're good. Like you're a good dude. Like we're, I mean, most, most of us are good, but I think what he's trying to do specifically on that kind of stuff is like, these people want to make me King. They want to make me Lord. They want to make me Messiah. They want to make me yeah. God. Yes. And even if I am those things, and maybe anyone could be those things, but if if they're they're gonna they're gonna botch this whole thing, they're gonna turn me into an idol. And that's I think right. that's what we've done. We've turned really. I mean, it's a. I think the Jesus of so much of Christianity is someone's own projection onto that figure. Yeah, and that's all it is. And then and then kind of like blurred the line. So like. The, the the Jesus of Christian nationalism obviously didn't exist. Right. But they're using that figure, co-opting them and making a Jesus in their own image. Yeah, it's exactly right. Which, yeah. I mean, is, if we all are gods, maybe all maybe not all the gods are good. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. The god, the god Marge Green is not such a good god. She's... <laughs> you mean she's, white nationalists? Uh, yeah. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Green. Mm-hmm. Remember, yeah. or not remember, but she recently said, uh, not to detract this too much. She said someone she was really offended by being called a white nationalist. No, no, that's and, why I just said that. And yeah, because that's all I'm ever going to call her from now on. As offensive as the N word, and then there's this John Mulaney bit that comes in is like, if you're comparing the badness of two words and you can't say one of them, yes, that's the word that's worse. <laughs> that's worse, yes, because you don't say the W word. Yeah, the WN. I got called a WN the other day. Oh, so horrible. I got called a CWN, a Christian white nationalist. And I don't even oh, say was, that. Yeah, the CWN. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, by the way, just to, just to go back uh, to our, our question at the beginning, um, in my research, my, my uh, oh, we're bringing it back. Google right. search. You've been searching um, this whole time. All right, so according to um, Laria Ramelli, right, if you don't know who she okay. is, she is like one of the the premier scholars when it comes to apocatastasis or universal reconciliation. And yeah. she makes a strong case that Athanasius was indeed a universalist. So if she says he was, okay. I'm going to say he probably was. I'm going to say this, that, I mean, a lot of writings are ambiguous, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. I mean, you could probably look at my stuff and be like, well, Matt says he's a universalist, but he told a lot of people <laughs> to fuck off and go to hell. So... <laughs> We have evidence. We have evidence um, right here. Yeah. It's on Facebook. But I think deep down, so many more people are universalists. Like, I would bet, if I were a betting man, I'll put it on the record, May 25th. I think C.S. Lewis deep down was a universalist. Oh, yes. I would, I would bet that Tolkien was a universalist. Yeah. I think we know McDonald was a universalist. Oh, well, George McDonald was totally universalist. Yeah. Carl Bart was a universalist. Yeah. So I'm going to say it. I think yeah. people argue that they're not because they Rob they didn't come out and say it. They, they they don't come out and use the word Brad Jerzak's let's just be real. Like like come on, like if you had to pick one of the three, like that's the one that yeah, you could quibble on the term, but that's the one you pick, right? Yeah, see, this is why I've never understood that though. Like Brad Jerzak and I think even well, I'm a hopeful on. inclusivist or something. Like, yes, yes. I'm a hopeful universalist. Come on, you wrote a whole freaking book about it, debunking the other two views. Calling you out. Yes. Yes. Look, like it or not, why? I guess team. people are afraid of that view. I think that that word, you know, that label. Oh, I don't, I don't want to be known afraid. as a universalist. Like, yeah, I you are. I understand not wanting labels. I, I understand like this label doesn't describe me perfectly, so I'm not even going to use it. But Or deconstruction. Yeah, I hate the word deconstruction sometimes too. But I mean, you know, sometimes we have to use 
broad terms to describe things that aren't perfect, but we have to communicate some. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm going to say though, here's another aspect of like the conversation you and I are having right now. Um, like I'm, I'm actually a little nervous speaking about labels and things. I'm actually a little bit nervous about like publishing this kind of stuff or talking about this stuff so openly like this about what I think or believe, you know, about theology or <clears throat> about Christ or things like that. Um, not because I, I guess because I know there are so many people, I feel like I'm going to let them down. You know what I mean? Like they, they're, they, they're looking to me to like, Oh, Keith, you know, help me understand this or that. And then, but, but attached to that, see, and this is the part I really don't like, and I don't like it. Uh, I really don't like it. And this is why I'm okay to go ahead and talk about these things, even though it makes me uncomfortable is that, um, I don't want to be anyone's guru, right? And and like I just the other day on Facebook, I I posted something, and then then someone in the comments said something like, "Well, Keith, what do you believe about blah blah blah?" And part of me is like, "What difference does it make what I believe about whatever?" Like, so you're saying that if I said I believe this, you're gonna believe that? Like, why does it matter to you what I believe? But people do that. They'll say, "Oh, Keith believes this," and now, but if they like me then they're going to start believing that too because Keith said so. Because, well, Keith believes this. Like, I don't, the thing is, I know you can't stop it. People are going to do this anyway. But I just don't like that. I don't like that people, like, I just want to tell people when they ask me, Keith, do you believe blah, blah? I go, I don't know. What do you believe? Tell me what you believe. Great. That's cool. Good for you. I don't, it shouldn't matter to you what I believe. But I know it does. I do know it does for some people. Um, because what you believe is all about everything, right? And And then, if if people can label you and say, oh, Keith denies this or Keith doesn't believe that, well, then they can dismiss you. They can mm-hmm. unfollow you. They can warn people you're a false teacher or whatever. Um, but I don't even like it on the positive side. Like, oh, because I believe what, I, what you and I are talking about right now, someone's going to suddenly be like thrust into some deep deconstruction, you know, anxiety of, oh, my gosh, I've got to figure this out now. I have to believe what Keith believes because he said blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you don't. You don't have to believe it because I, I think it, because here's the thing, by the time you catch up to me, I'm going to change my mind. <laughs> like six months from now, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm onto something else. Always ahead so, like, of them. Stop trying to, and I would just say this is advice for anybody. Have your own beliefs, figure out what you believe about something. Do you read and study and listen to people and do all that stuff, whatever, whatever you need to do, but you know, believe it because you believe it, not because Matt or I or Brad Jerzak or anybody, um, well, they said blah blah blah. Well, yeah, maybe they're maybe they're wrong. <laughs> can you keep in mind that any of us, all of us, can be wrong? I've been go. wrong before. I've been wrong many times. I'd have to go listen to the old episodes to see if I've been wrong, but I'm gonna guess I have. Oh, I know I have. Yeah, and I meant I, like in Solideos, I flat out admit that. I, I give a shout out to Jamal Javanji. And I, I admit that all those years on Heretic Happy Hour, that he and I would go back and forth almost every episode on this question of whether Christ was in everybody or Christ was only in Christians. Yeah. I was and saying I, Christ is only in Christians, and I was wrong. And and I'm grateful to Jamal that he never let it go, and he kept pushing <laughs> me on it until I finally, finally turned the corner and was like, oh, duh, I was wrong. Well... I can't say I've ever been wrong, so I I don't have a story like that. (laughs) What? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Matt has never been wrong. The scary thing to me is how much I'm like, how much I'm becoming like Jamal. My God, don't say that. Well, I still believe that uh, science is real and you should listen to your doctor. I disagree with him a lot on that. I do take prescription medication for my blood pressure. And by the way, it really works. I tried wishful thinking and uh, it didn't work. So, well, here's the, yeah, I mean, not to get sidetracked on medical stuff here. Like, I got into, like, I mean, every, like everyone, I mean, I was diagnosed with celiac in 2012, 2010. So it's been a while, right? So when you have something like that, you're like, okay, well, what can I, you, you start going down the non traditional, you look at, do a bunch of research and stuff like that. And I kept hearing like, oh, the pharmaceutical companies, all they're out for money and all this and the doctors and that they're all out for money. And and, and I'm like, okay. And there's truth in some of that. Sure, of course. There's truth in some of that. 
And then I was like, okay, but all the medicine is for like none of it works. Like, cause, cause I've took ibuprofen and my headache goes away. Yeah, so, it's like, funny. I know it, and I know they tested it against placebo. Yeah. So, you know, it can't be all. It can't be so reductive where we're just right. like it's all bullshit. Yeah, because I've seen yeah, I've seen medications do really well. And now I've the seen placebo actually, effect is real and it does it work, real. but that doesn't 100%. mean that drugs don't work. Well, that's why we testing is like when our our best trials and studies yes. are against placebo, double blind, blah blah blah. Um, and so yeah, you all that. I mean, so there's a, there's a balance between like this this applies I think theology philosophy too like. There's a balance between quote unquote, do your own research and think for yeah. yourself and all that, because that's the mantra of like morons yes. who are on YouTube and like, do your own research. My sidebar does it for me and recommends yes. all those shitty videos. Uh, and then being like, there's experts in fields for a reason. Like I follow this guy, I forget Dan um, on TikTok, Dan McClellan. McClellan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. You know, I think he's a Mormon though. I don't give a fuck what he is. I don't care either. He's he's a smart guy and he's right. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. How the fuck is he? Dan McClellan. How the fuck is he a Mormon if he knows all that shit? Um, he knows he knows everything about everything with the Bible and the history and Hebrew, like Hebrew, Greek, all this shit. I don't know at the end of all that how you're like, yeah, the Mormon Church seems to have gotten that one right. Like, yeah. Um, but like. People like that. I mean, Matt Reeves, uh, Katie Valentine, New Testament Scott. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Like, scholars are important for obvious reasons. And your doctor is important for obvious reasons, scientists and all those. So I think it's a balance of, like, coming to your own conclusions and leading by experience and all that. And then also, like, the experts in certain fields or all fields have a lot of value to offer. Yeah, I, I think um, a good rule of thumb when you, on the whole do your own research thing is, um, well, two things. One, don't just listen to one side, right? It's okay to listen to people on the other side. This is this is how you think for yourself. You actually do entertain other ideas that, you, that might challenge your preferences, your biases. Um, but the other thing is, and I think this is so important, actually, when, when people talk about doing your own research, the, the thing that concerns me is how quickly people make up their minds. They'll watch one TED Talk or one YouTube video or read one podcast, listen to one podcast or read one blog post and decide, oh, there you go. Now I believe that. Like, okay, that's just one thing. And you could even go, that sounds really good. That that might, I think that sounds right. Okay, good. But don't make up your mind yet. Don't let the cement dry yet. What else have you read? Maybe go read a book on the topic. Maybe well, that's go not research. What that's they're doing not, is research. not research. Thank right. you. So, you know, when they say yeah. do your own research, let's define research. Okay, so I want to I want to use a chess thing, right? So I'm I'm really into chess. I play online chess all the, all the time. You, you I'm you so into chess. I, I've seen your posts and be like, oh, this motherfucker could be. Yeah, I love chess. And um, one of my favorite chess teachers, uh, he's on YouTube. His name is he goes by the name Gotham. Look him up on YouTube. He's really funny. Gotham Chess. His name is Levy. Um, but he, it's, he, he's, his handle is Gotham chess anyway. So, um, he's always, when he's going through different games and, and strategies on chess, he'll point out how the biggest mistake people make when they're playing chess is they'll see a move for themselves. Like, Oh, like I'm white, I'm playing white and I'm playing against black. And so I, I see white. a move, n- no racism there. Um, I see a move that I think is going to help me. And so he goes, but the problem is you don't look for the ways you need to be looking for the ways that you're wrong. You're you're looking for ways to prove that you're right. Oh, if I do this, this will happen. But you need to put yourself in the mind of your opponent and think about what they want and what are they going to, what are they, you know, like look for ways that, that you're wrong about that move and that there's a better move. And so I feel like that that's what people do when, when they do their research, quote unquote research about theology, especially, um, is that they're just too quick to make up their mind. They're looking for ways to prove they're right. They're not looking for ways for things that might prove them wrong. And I think that's an important thing to do. That's why they always are like, well, Jesus talked about hell more than heaven. Right. And then they stop. That's it. Well, let's talk. Drill about down into that. Talk. What did he really talk about let's, when he talked about Or like, well, okay, well, let's talk about all the times that he didn't agree with your narrative. People right. won't want to do that. Yes. 
You don't want to look. What about all these verses that seem to suggest that maybe everyone, right? What about where Jesus says uh, the father uh, has given, uh, assigned all judgment to the son. And then later on, he says, I judge no one. What's going on there? Well, Keith, what you have to understand is. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, it's good to. Christianity started. No, I'm just kidding. What was that? I said, historic Christianity says. Well, you know, it, historic Christianity has been around for over 500 years, everybody. It's been, it's, it's been around a long, long time. So. I actually lulled when I watched Mark Driscoll say that um, from the start, universalism was condemned as heresy all the way back to Tyndale and blah, blah, blah. Oh, all the way back to Tyndale. When was Tyndale around? William Tyndale. Wasn't he uh, fucking 1600s, English? maybe? Yeah, so he's like all the way back to Tyndale and almost four hundred years like ago. Just, wow, like he was just pulling names out of his ass. I was like Tyndale, that's an English name. That ain't that ain't a first yeah. century name. You know, Tyndale, <laughs> Paul the Apostle. They were good buddies. They were hanging yeah, out together. Same thing. We're closer to Calvin and Luther than Luther and Calvin are to Jesus. See, I'm not saying allegorically. Right. I'm taking timeline wise. Timeline wise, yes, time wise. We are closer. You know what right. the world was like in the 1600s? We would not recognize it, and they would not recognize it. That's right. But we're closer yeah. to that than they were to Jesus. That's a, that's an excuse me. That's an important detail for people to think about. That, like when I'll say, I said that once. I was, I think it was on one of Alyssa Childers' YouTube things. I said she kept talking about historic Christianity, which drives me crazy. And uh, I said something about you know her theology is only 500 years old, and people are like. 500 years that's a long time ago not in a faith that's over 1500 years over over 2000 years old like or almost 2000 years old and you have a 2000 year old faith and your theology goes back 500 years you're missing a huge chunk well and and it's it's all question begging because my i have to ask like who the fuck cares if it's historic you know what else right. is historic like the way we treat black people in america yes. watch well, this historic the way we treat women the way yeah. we treat gay people. The Crusades. All that shit is way more historic than like BLM or LGBTQ yes. or women's suffrage. Yes. Women's suffrage is super, super new. Yes. So are you making the case that we should go historic on why why Christianity? Who the fuck cares about it? Like Origin for all of his great theology probably cut his balls off. And that's a move that is not advisable. Yes, maybe you don't follow like there are, everything that they there say. There are healthier sexual expressions. You don't have to repress yourself so much. Same, See, this is, I'm talking to you, Augustine, too. Yeah. Everyone relax. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Uh, again, like when you, if you do study like uh, Origen or Tertullian, like Tertullian is, is to me one of the most famous ones where when I first encountered the guy, I loved him because when it came, because I was only reading his quotes when it came to either the way the the church gathered together and then he was like all right now let me talk about women yeah or non-violence when he talks about non-violent response i'm like oh this guy is awesome he's such a jesusy guy man he gets it and then i read his quotes about women and it's like you son of a bitch so again like everybody don't follow everything about everybody right you'd be objective try to take a step back and yes yeah, I mean, you have to balance Wait. you have to balance certain things with historical context. I'm not writing off his views of women at all. But I'm also saying like you can't you can't judge everything by modern standards also, right? right? Like there's problems in Tolkien um in language or or just his, you know, lack of representation. Like there's sure. problems with that in the modern world, of course. Um, but we also wouldn't want to sit and like judge him by modern standards. Um, but we also can't elevate anyone. Yes. I mean, there's a balance. We can't elevate anyone just because they were first. Right. And, you know, we don't want to write off everything they say just because they had one wacky belief. But we also have to take into account the wacky beliefs or the terrible behaviors. Like, yeah. Like when it comes to Calvin, like if we, if we, advocated for burning someone at the stake because we disagreed with them theologically and they ruffled our feathers politically or whatever. Yeah. Like that would pretty much discredit. Like, like if, if we found out Keith, you did that 
choir would probably go under. It's not <laughs> the fail. Like we wouldn't get bailed out. Look, there was just this um, one guy. I didn't like his theology, and I was like, you know what? Let's kill him. So just one time, you know, if you advocated for that, we probably shouldn't take you that seriously, though we shouldn't write you off completely because it's it's important historically. Yeah, but but I feel like in the Christian church, historic means like if you're historically orthodox and whatever they define as orthodoxy, then all of a sudden, like. Like you shit golden bricks, too, like nothing you do can be wrong, like. Historic Christianity. Who cares? Who cares? Maybe they're wrong. We ain't going back. It's the modern world. Why do we got to go back? Yeah. Maybe we learned a thing or two about sex or sexuality or gender or whatever. Philosophy. Yeah. Maybe they didn't have all the answers there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do know they didn't have all the answers. Yeah, they didn't. But anyway, this is not a world I give two shits about as much anymore. I'll say that. Like, I'll I'll answer questions. I'll talk. I'll talk theology for the sake of other people. But as far as like my day to day, I'm really just interested in like what's in front of me. Like, I've got um, yellow leaf rust on a bunch of blackberries. I'm trying to deal with, and um, you know, what what does Jesus say about that? What do you think? What does Jesus want you to do? What would Jesus do about that? Matthew. Jesus, well, he would treat it with an antifungal if he had it. He would it. curse it. He would say, I, I curse oh, yeah. you that you would never bear fruit again. They didn't have to go buy, plant another See, one. Though. Well, no, they're wild though. So they're wild blackberries that were hedging around the property to encourage a permaculture type thing and get bees going and pollinators and all that. So I would say, Jesus, I think your view of agriculture needs to step up a little bit. Like I just got a little leaf rust. Don't curse the whole goddamn tree. I did pull out two fig trees and I felt very Jesus-y this year. Yeah. Because they will like wrap around your septic tank and I curse those motherfuckers and I replaced them with an apple and a peach. Mm. I did my best Jesus work this year, Keith. That's beautiful. I'm out here cursing figs. Cursing those figs, yes. God (laughs) hates figs, from what I understand. Figs. Figs. (laughs) I I can picture that t-shirt. It's pretty good. God hates figs. Yeah. That hates figs. All right. Well, yeah, dude. Please don't say something else. Well, hopefully we haven't led people astray here. Uh, you know, look, if theology is still important to you, that's fine. I know people that are just not, you know, they're not, that's not where they are. That's okay. Um, Wherever you're at, it's okay as long as you're fine. not yeah. harming others. Totally fine. Yeah. And, let me, and again, that you don't. Uh, hopefully this people understand this too. Like uh, you and I aren't talking about this because we want to convince people to think the way we think. I'm not talking about this because I'm, I'm, I'm saying you need to think this way too. You should believe this way too. I'm just telling you. Well, to some degree I am, I am honestly. Like, oh, okay. I, Matt is, I will, Matt is telling you. I am like, if you, if your beliefs harm others. Well, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just want to say that though. Yeah, like yeah. I, when I say, I say it all the time too, I don't care what you believe. Well, actually I do because if you're if if we're across the street and you got like a Nazi flag flying, I do care yeah. about your beliefs because. Yeah, yeah, I, but I mean, we don't. I'm not telling people that. I know. Look, I I'm not really, um, I'm not really living my life based on having the right theology, and therefore you should too. Correct. Oh yeah, um, for sure. I, but I agree with you. Like, if you but if your theology is toxic and you you think God is against certain people because they do, don't do this or they do that or whatever. Yeah, let's. You might want to rethink that, and I'm happy to help you rethink that. Um, happy to slap the shit out of you. <laughs> but, but Just yeah, kidding. I so I think yeah, theology it matters again in the sense that it, yes, it can lead you to do certain things and believe certain things that that are not just toxic to you personally, but are harmful to other people around you, and even maybe your family members and people you love, and so. For that reason, yeah, maybe you should rethink your your theology. Yeah. Um, I just have I noticed like, that the more the the less I care about theology, yeah, the more I actually just can relate to people as other human beings. I don't care what the they world, believe. Yeah. I don't care what their religion is, or if they have no religion at all. They're just another person. I have no evidence for this other than my own like experience, but I feel like the less I've cared about discussing theological things, the more. If there is a God, he's like, well, now you're starting to get it. 
Yes. Like, go live your life. Like, now yes, you got like, it. good. So that's the, yeah. Now yeah. you're starting to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. True. All right. Well, rate and review this show. Tell your friends. Share this with one friend, one friend at least this week. Maybe soon one day, like Mark Driscoll or Alyssa Childers, if you can just post it on one of her yep. videos, or like all of her videos. Go to every video and share a link to this episode. <laughs> Yes, we're not going to tell you what to think, but we are going to tell you to spam the shit out of people. You just go um, get her. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Leave people, be, be, be nice to people. Be kind. Yes, be, kind, be loving rewind. even to people that don't agree with you. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to burn her with a stake. We don't hate her. No, not no. at all. Fucking kidding me? Although, I think, we would, I think we would have been burned to the stake for a good portion of historic Christianity. So I'll just leave everyone with that. No, that is exactly right. If, if historic think about that, think about that, Elisa, yes. the people that you disagree with, all the progressive Christians out there, they would have been the ones burnt at the stake by your historic Christianity. Yeah, we would be totally. <laughs> yeah, we would totally be, I know this, this is true. Like, yeah, if, if, uh, this a bisexual is part, part of, uh, universalist with a bunch of tattoos. Yeah, who cusses a lot? I would have been fucked. No, this is actually what this is one of the things that legitimately scares me about whether or not evangelical Christians, white Christian nationalists who want a theocracy, if they do get, if they manage to do it, if they actually do get political power, they flat out said they want to make like they want to use the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament Leviticus as the new law book, and you'll be put in jail for heresy. You could be executed for saying what we just said on this podcast. Then you so, just turn it back on them. All of them desire what the neighbor has. Right. So they're, they're violating commandment 10. So just whip, whip out the Romans. Whip their heads. Yeah. Whip, whip out Romans chapter heads. one, chapter two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you in two weeks. Rate and review this show. Rate and review every choir cast. Share it with your friends. And we'll see you. See you then. Bye. All right. See you guys. Bye.